0: Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by Bystar Credit Union, featuring Jaguar Senior Writer John Osher and Executive Producer Dave DeCandis. I can't tell you how excited I am about this week. It's um, it's funny when you've done this as long as I have, you get the opportunity to feel old, and I certainly feel old today because I'm. My guest is somebody that I worked with 26 or 27 years ago. He has gone on to much bigger and better things. Meanwhile, I have two in a way. But my guest this week is Steve Weiss of the NFL Network. And I think people know Steve from seeing him on the broadcast on the NFL Network, but I'm not sure they realize how knowledgeable he is about the NFL and how wide-ranging his background is. Steve, we were just talking NBA big time in your background and college football, which we cover at the University of Florida, I guess from a purely curiosity standpoint for me, how has all that helped? How did your NBA stuff help with the transition to the NFL? Because it's a little unusual. Most NFL guys have been NFL guys since they were in the business.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, there are some of the NBA guys (laughs) who are doing the NFL, and. The, the biggest way it helped isn't so much, you know, the sports, the competitiveness and, and things like that, but it's, it's the interpersonal skills. You In know, the NBA, the access that you, that I had to locker rooms, right? Mm-hmm. We had 15 guys. We had access up until 90 minutes before tip off, right? And then you're also dealing with 15 guys, three coaches, general manager, a couple other people. So you're around these people for 82 games plus preseason and postseason. So how do you navigate that basically a big family? for all that period um, of a season and then an off season, maintain relationships, gain trust, and and still be able to really serve the readers at the time of the newspaper. So that was the big transition because you come to the NFL, the access isn't nearly what it was in the NBA, but you realize the NFL is king, right? I mean, so many more people pay attention to the NFL, but it's more about how to work a locker room, how to work a front office, how to work a, a coaching staff. When I say work it, it's not manipulate. It's how to navigate and establish the human element of everything that really crosses all the boundaries of you know what you do you know in our job because it is often a very fine line to cross that you never really want to get blurred.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I did the Pacers when I was in Indianapolis. I did the Pacers, not nearly on the level that you covered the beat. I was uh, stringing for NBA.com, but it was. It, It's an amazing difference. I had always done the NFL and college football before that. And the strangeness to me was talking to guys before the game because it was such a different dynamic. And for uh, the listeners who don't really realize, in the NFL there's no access to players or coaches before a game. So that's always been sort of sacred territory to me, meaning you just don't talk to them. You assume that they are doing – the most important things in the world before the game, and you don't talk to them until you're getting reaction. And In the NBA, you go through a walkthrough in the morning. You can talk to these guys a couple of times before they even you know, lace them up in the, in the evening. So the pace of that coverage, Steve, was so much different to me that I never quite got used to it. Your body clock is a different thing when you're covering an NBA beat as opposed to an NFL beat. And the thing I was always fascinated with was exactly what you talked about, with 15 guys in the locker room and maybe only three that matter, you've really got to do those relationships. They have to respect you. You also have to have them realize that you're going to write things they don't like. So I imagine walking that line was a much different dynamic than it was in the NFL.
1: And quickly before we transition, I mean, it's, it, the NBA was so cool because the players have guaranteed contracts. right? So in terms of them biting their tongue, that didn't really right. happen. Right. I mean, these guys spoke their minds freely. It's
0: players Even league, back in right.
1: the 90s. Right. Even back in the 90s and early 2000s, um, when I covered it, and I'll never forget, you know, when I covered the Miami Heat, these were the, the first great run of Heat teams, you know, with Alonzo Morning and Tim Hardaway and Jamal Mashburn and Dan Marley. Tim Hardaway, you know, perennial all star, was like, Steve, we know you can't always write good stuff about us. We get that. But if you're coming with a bombshell or you're coming with some right. really heavy stuff, just let us know. Like, hey man, I got. I, I hate doing this, but I, this is yep. coming, you know, in tomorrow's paper or whatever. And they get it; it gives them a chance to respond, prepare, or whatever. And that's a lesson, you know, that I, I that big I really, yep. yeah, any beat guy that you really, you know, always get both sides. Never ambush somebody because that's the big journalism has really turned a lot into ambush journalism mm-hmm. right now, right? So, and, and to this day, I can't do that. It just doesn't sit well with me if I can't get in touch with someone in the NFL, because you get in the NFL has got so many more filters when it comes to, like you only get quarterbacks once a week. Right, John? Right. You get quarterbacks once a week. When I cover the NBA, I get Michael Jordan after every game, after every practice. Right. So it, it, it's a whole different thing. Right. So even if I can't get to a Jared Goff or Deshaun Sean Watts, whenever I got to call the team and say, Hey, look, I, I, I gotta let, you know, this is coming out or somebody said this about your guy. That's good journalism. Mm-hmm. And too often right now we're for the quick to get it up online, you know, get it out on Twitter as soon as possible. And we, we neglect that step. And that's how come, we have so much, you know, distrust, uh, blurred lines, yeah. people picking sides and what we do in this business now and, and I really hate how that part of a lot of professionalism has been co-opted in the name of clicks or in the name of getting visitors to your own personal blog, things like that.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it's ever coming back. I, I could talk journalism all day, obviously, with somebody who's been doing it as long as you have. Um, the offseason of the Jags, which for us here covering it, obviously it's always the storyline. But I think what fans who are listening to this are curious about, how much different is it in terms of Jaguars being on your radar this offseason? I've got to think maybe as much as any offseason since you've been doing this, this team is on your radar between Urban Meyer and between whoever they might take a quarterback, Steve.
1: Yeah, good, good. Wait, wait, wait to be a pro with that there, John. They're taking right. Trevor Lawrence. Right. <laughs> when your new head coach, Urban Meyer, is in on planning his offseason mm-hmm. medical schedule, um, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good tip on what they're going to do. But I mean, it, it's huge. It's huge. Maybe not as much as the teams who are, I'll say, two, three, and four, because that's where the action's going to be, right? The number one pick, we know who it's going to be. Um, It's going to be an exciting time because of Urban Meyer being there. Um, You know, the college coach with no head coaching experience. He's been out of the game, but he's a larger-than-life personality, right? You've got a quarterback going there. You've got a team that just a couple years ago was knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, and ever since, you know, it hasn't been, you know, torn down brick by brick. It's been torn down wall by wall with a number of good players who've departed. And so it seems like it's a change of philosophy Um, organizationally there so yeah absolutely the Jaguars are on the radar plus during the division I I think that's you know super newsworthy because of what's going on in Houston because of the trade of Carson Wentz to Indianapolis and then the Titans being what they are so uh, you know the again the Jags having the two first round picks and being able to come up from the second round or push back they're going to be a lot of the straw that stirs the drink, and what's going on with how these other teams build their roster. Mm-hmm. So you better believe the Jags more than what they have been. And I, and I don't want to be dismissive, right? So nationally in the past, kind of like, okay, it's the Jags. They're picking in the top five. Who are they going to take? Okay, let's go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. I think because of the Trevor Lawrence factor and the fact that they've got too many high picks, and nobody really knows what's going on with them. There is a sense of intrigue that just hasn't been there before.
0: You mentioned the AFC South. Um- as strange an off season in terms of quarterbacks in that division that I, I know maybe ever. I mean, I don't say ever because when you say ever, then all of a sudden people say, "Well, no, it's not." But Deshaun Watson, uh, your gut on how that plays out? Uh, just, I guess, your thoughts on how it got here and how strange this is.
1: Well, let, let's let's go to how it plays out. I, I think it's going to come down to a game of chicken. I don't think that Nick Casario and the Texans are going to trade him because teams. As we get closer to the draft, there's going to be some teams that offer up a lot, right? There's going to, but there's going to be some teams that also that may be like, hey, three first rounders. That's just too much capital to mm-hmm. give up. So I don't think the Texans trade him. Now the now the leverage point, the, the breaking point comes down to: Will Deshaun Watson have the gumption to sit out a season to pull a Love Bell? Thirty. That's thirty million dollars. You're never getting back, right. no matter what you do in life. That is it. That is thirty million dollars. You're never getting back,
0: right? Because you don't automatically okay. get it at the end.
1: You don't automatically. That's what people get at forget a lot. Yep. Right. And look, I don't. I don't care if he invest in the most. You know, something five years from now, Bitcoin wise, it's going to get him a billion dollars. That's like thirty <laughs> million dollars he'd be leaving on the table for the Texans. So I, I just, I, you know, I think. It, I think it ends. It, I mean, it's so ugly right now. It's good that it's ugly now because it's February and mm-hmm. you don't want it to be at this point in August. But I think we're going to get into some real ugly stuff uh, come training camp. And if he is able to, I guess, broker his way there, I mean, then what? Right. I mean, they, they hired a head coach that nationally, that the way people – I mean, he's a sacrificial lamb. No matter what happens in two or three years, he's probably going to be gone. If they get better, someone else is going to be hired to replace him. And if they get worse, then that's just what happens. He's going to get replaced. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's an ugly situation, John. So many of the things you hear about what's going on there are just almost unprecedented Yeah, in terms of the way that they're handling their business. And, um, I, I just honestly think, you know, I think Deshaun Watson ends up as a member of the team, but will we really will take
0: a snap in 2021 Right, remains to be seen. I guess the amazing thing, we had a similar situation here with Jalen Ramsey, obviously. Um, and, It's been a couple years ago. And at the time, my thought was, hey, you can't bend to the player because if if you bend to the player, then all of a sudden you're bending to every player. But that's a different conversation with quarterback to me because you're building a franchise around that guy. The cap ramifications are so much different. And uh, face it, uh, no matter how good you are at cornerback, the 10th best quarterback in the league is more important than the first best cornerback. So it's striking... I guess my question to you is, is there no way the Texans could just go and say, hey, we've got to save this, you're our guy? Or has it gotten too far from that? So that uh,
1: hopefully that's what they're doing.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, hopefully they are trying. Now, there apparently has been no communication between the two, whether he won't pick up the phone or they're being stubborn. it, it Look, it really seems so far gone. But look, if you're Deshaun Watson, you see them two years ago trade away, your best target in DeAndre Hopkins. Just let go of J.J. Watt. There are people in the building who will tell you the players know what's going on upstairs. You know, in the ultimate hierarchy, like this is no place you want to be. Okay, then you're also dealing with a situation where, um, you know, the son of, of Robert McNair takes over. There was some issues from ownership that some players players felt were racially insensitive, and they feel that that's still coming along as well. So there's guys like what. You know, look, before a couple years ago, Houston was a place everyone wanted to go to. Great city, no state tax, they're winning ball games, and you've got Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Now people are like, it's a plague. And again, I, I just have not seen this in the NFL because rosters are so big. There's so many factors are, that are in play that, you know, people, you know, just say, geez, what, what's going on here? So, um, John, it, it's just, it's, it's a sad situation. But the one thing you said that's in- interesting to me. I so I wonder if any owners are calling up Cal McNair, saying, "No matter how bad it is, don't you bend to the player because the precedent that you will be setting,
0: especially a quarterback for the
1: rest of the end at that position, absolutely the precedent you could set could really put all of us in a bind in future years."
0: Tell me why Carson Wentz will work in Indy. Well, I
1: mean, look, there, there's there's the only reason I'll put it this way: the only reason he won't would be Carson Wentz. Hmm. That means he's not he's not mentally strong enough to deal with some of the things that got to him in Philadelphia. He's going to, and and John, again, this is no knock against our journalistic brethren, but he's going to a media market that is far more kind to its athletes than Philadelphia. Okay.
0: (laughs) Which is about anybody is right. (laughs) Which is correct.
1: He is going to a coach that he is familiar with. He's going to a run heavy system with a good offensive line and a really good defense um, that's ready to win. He's got wide receivers. You know, you've got Michael Pittman. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. We'll see what's going to happen there. But Chris Ballard has shown, as a general manager, mm-hmm. how to build a team, right? So, organizationally, the structure, we just talked about all the dysfunction in Houston. The structure in Indianapolis is vastly different. I mean, all the way from the ownership down, they, they've got a really good model in their building. So, he's going into a situation where he's going to be supported. He's going to have everything at his disposal for him to succeed. Again, this, though, is a guy who felt uneasy with Jalen Hurts being drafted, who felt uneasy with a couple different coaches giving him different instructions. So he couldn't get his mind around things. That's the concern people have as to is Carson Wentz going to be mentally mature enough and mentally strong enough to go into a situation where he's going to be expected to win because, like I just said, he's going to a ready-made house, you know, a turnkey situation, where they should be a playoff team.
0: You talk to a lot more people around the league than I do, obviously. I'm I'm Jaguars-focused. You're NFL-focused. Um, what's the buzz around the league on Urban in terms of, is there a lot of interest to see if this works, if the college coach comes in and has success? Uh, just what's the general feel you get for that?
1: Yeah, I think the college coach the NFL thing is, I, I think that story's been written you know once Jim Harbaugh came in and won ball games and we've seen other coaches you know people are really excited I think Matt Rule is going to turn things around in Carolina so I think with Urban I think you know it's really it's funny there's there's not that much buzz it's kind of a wait and see type of thing and that's you know I I think there's a lot more intrigue as as to what's going to happen you know with some other team with Robert Sala and the Jets again they've got number two are they going to keep Sam Darnold are they going to are they so I think there's a lot more attention being paid to that. And I think with urban, it's kind of like, okay, you know, urban's got time. Mm-hmm. You know, they know that it is a, a, a rebuild type of thing. So year one, maybe there's no snap judgments unless they come and have a lot of success out of the gate, or it looks like another disaster out of the gate. I think everyone's just kind of like, okay, that's, that's a patient thing. But there, just, there isn't a whole lot of conversation at the moment right now about urban meyer himself about the jaguars draft situation absolutely but not so much about him
0: how often are we going to hear between now and april 29th that trevor's not the guy and i think what i mean by that is everybody's going to make stuff up at this point right i mean like they're going to throw out zach wilson they're going to throw out justin you know they're going to look for reasons not to take him number one not this team necessarily but people nationally and that's just sort of that's what happens with a story like this, right?
1: Yeah, the, the intriguing thing um, that I think is going to be less than normal is there's going to be no combine, right? There's going to be no national video evidence, right? If Justin Fields has a great pro day, great. The, the only story when a quarterback has his pro day, the only time there's a real story is if he doesn't right. have a great pro day. Like when Teddy Bridgewater didn't have a great pro day. These are all scheduled and set up a way for everyone to succeed you know, there's a certain roadmap, you know, you're the one, you know, 15 intermediate routes, 15 quick routes, 15 deep. It's all set up. It's all rehearsed. So, but the fact that there is no combine, the fact that there's not going to be a lot of national visibility for these quarterbacks working out, yeah, we're, you know, NFL network and ESPN, everyone's going to show their pro days. But other than that, right. you're not going to hear a lot of buzz about their interviews unless somebody flops it and this and that. So I, again, I, I don't think there's going to be, there's, just someone's going to say, hey, the Jags or whatever Meyer likes to do. Yeah, maybe Zach Wilson or or Justin Fields is, is a better fit. But but no, I, I mean it's just it just it's, it's like it's like it's like Andrew Luck. You know, there was some conversation. Yeah, maybe Robert Griffin mm. is is the guy, but there was more like no, Andrew Luck was built for this, so Andrew Luck is going to be the first overall pick. I, I you know that's what I would liken the Trevor Lawrence thing to.
0: And uh, any thoughts on how he? I guess not necessarily how he compares to Luck, but in terms of the – to me, Luck was a can't miss. I watched him in college, and there was no way he could miss. Um, It feels like people think that Lawrence is on that level too. Like They don't know what level he's going to be at, great, whatever. But there's very little chance of bust with this guy because of, I guess, just how ready he is. Are you getting that feel as well, or is that hard to say at this point? Well,
1: no, I know you get that feeling, and a lot of it, John, is because the game has changed. Okay, so remember, Andrew Luck, growing up, going to Stanford, played, which we deemed back then, the pro-style mm-hmm. offense. Run first, pre-reads, mainly under center, um, really could check you know, into, into a second or third play. he get through his progressions, right. blah, blah, blah. And it was that okay, part Trevor that made
0: Gordon. you think there was no way he could miss. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, because that's what football was back then think about it back then what's that nine years ago <laughs> okay so now but now football is pre-snap read mm-hmm. right okay if the backside strong say if your nickel is over here if you're in an rpo type thing which is what the jags are going to run that stretch rpo offense with trevor lawrence ran at clemson okay then you're checking into a front side pass or maybe a backside. pass Run right. cutback option, right? So these are the things that are my runs that more and more teams are running, and this is why Trevor Lawrence is a fit. If you're going to try to to mm-hmm. squeeze him into that old school pro school offense, our pro style offense, then maybe people say, "Well, you know, he he doesn't read this way. He comes off his first read too simple, blah blah blah." But now, again, because they're going to be running what he did in college, right. and more and more offenses are going to that. You're not hearing, you're not hearing nearly um, as much of okay. This is a flaw. This is a flaw because he can run. He can throw it. He's tough. Right. Um, you know, we, we've seen all of those things.
0: And That's why, in a lot of ways, I think the quarterbacks are transitioning quicker because of things you just said. I've been asking people every time I talk, every time I talk to people about Trevor, I ask, well, can he do it before the snap? Can he read defenses before the snap? And I get a little bit of what you said. You know, there's no reason he can't. But he's probably not going to be asked to do it as quickly as maybe luck was because the game has changed. Quarterbacks aren't, you know, my background was covering Peyton Manning for 12 years, who is, I think, the best I've ever seen at that. Well, quarterbacks aren't asked to do it as much anymore. So it's not as much of a factor. So you're right. For Trevor, if he's the guy, Steve, probably won't be, I wouldn't think, asked to do nearly as
1: much.
0: Don't tip the pick. You know, we're not allowed to tip the pick. Well, I can't tip the pick. So it's. 17-game seasons in the news. Is there any way that doesn't get done next year? I know you talk to people within the league a lot. So any thoughts that that doesn't get done? No, it's going to happen.
1: I mean, uh, um, you know, the the Players Association uh, seems to be on board with that. Um, 17 games, um, no additional bye. You know, that was the one thing I thought once they expanded, the players would want to get a second bye
0: in there, but that's not going to happen right now. It was awful, though. Do you remember when they did that in 93. Yeah, fought, it, it didn't work. It, well, it was, was 16 games. Right.
1: I mean, we're seeing the physical toll and we're seeing some of the yeah. injuries. I mean, I think now once you get to 18, a second bye.
0: Yeah, you almost got to do it at 18. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they get to 18, you almost have to do a plus. John, that'll push the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend, which is a three day weekend, which a lot of people would love. Right. Because you get an extra day advertising, you know the fans get an extra day to recover from all the Super Bowl drinking that they're doing. X, Y, and Z. But no, I think we should push it to games. Memorial
0: Day weekend, Steve. I mean, why not? Might as
1: well. <laughs> Might as well have the combine. Have the combine right during the baseball All Star game, and and uh, we could do all that. But no, I know it's going to be seventeen and three. All indications are.
0: Um, just one. Of, I guess a final question about uh, how you think the season will look next year. I know. There's a lot to predict in terms of COVID. Um, Any early thoughts on that? Are we too far away from it? Or how do you see the year playing out in terms of that?
1: Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. You know, with the vaccination, the numbers coming down, um, hopefully people just kind of not getting too far ahead of themselves. We'll see coming up in a couple weeks in spring break um, what happens, you know, if if people are going to get too far ahead of themselves. but let's hope that you know the stadiums are full let's you know john you saw it was so weird having to cover a game with no fans i I mean i i don't i think i covered one game in miami where there were ten thousand fans right and it sounded like a roman lion fight right Mm -hmm. i was like wow because i covered games in the brand new sofi stadium with the rams or the chargers out here in la or you know some other venues in seattle you know the lot of stadium in the nfl with no fans and the fact that these players and coaches can focus when you really are playing in silence, um, for four quarters was, was just amazing. So I, I would think hopefully that the, the fans will be back. Mm-hmm. We're going to have your typical game day situations. Cause if the fans come back, you're going to have tailgating. Um, you're going to have all those types of scenarios. Now I do think in terms of like what we do, I do think that at least some of the media situations yeah. will be virtual. I think, I don't know if we are going to be allowed in a, in a locker room post game, right? They may have to bring people out into designated um, yeah, I'd interview be areas. That that's
0: not the case. Yep.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would think they'll bring out people to designated areas. I do think it would be similar to that during the pra- practice week as mm-hmm. well, where we couldn't necessarily get into locker rooms, um, and maybe once or, once or twice a week we're doing virtual interviews, which I don't think even we in the media would mind. You know, on a Monday, which is typical, right? You know, there's not a lot of player availability. It's just a coach. Let's go ahead and do it virtually.
0: Right. Monday, you know? Friday, you can get away with. I'd hate to lose right. Wednesday and Thursday because of you the stories that. you can tell.
1: Well, hate that. And then plus, building the trust. Right. We've got a whole well, – Which a helps season rookies rookie. by the way. Correct. Yeah. We, we went a whole season without having a face-to-face conversation with rookies, free agents, new coaches mm-hmm. uh, at any level. So it's – all this trust is here. And that's a weird. That's, that's a weird dynamic, right. um, especially to kind of go back to how we led this off. Like when the NBA, when you're it's such an intimate situation, and you really build great relationships. Mm-hmm. Could be negative, whatever. But not having that was was a very odd thing, mm-hmm. you know, for me and you, and, and I'm sure. So, but in terms of the fans, I, you know, again, let's keep our fingers crossed that you know we we get the vaccines and people that the stadiums could at least. Cause I know they say some, you know, a 50, 75%. I'm like, look, if you're talking 50%, you're still talking 40,000 people. I don't know the difference between 40 and 60, if it's shoulder to shoulder or arms length to arms length. I mean, that many people, (laughs) you know, I I don't know where, I mean, I I just don't know where the, where the difference um, would lie. Um, But, you know, more than anything, I really just hope, you know, as, as a nation, um, you know, we kind of come together and get this, get this thing under control as much as I want to go to football games, I want to go see a good concert,
0: man. Yep, yep.
1: Okay, so, so so like. what's the first concert you want to go to once, once this ends? I mean, who are you trying to go see, my man?
0: Uh, probably Lil Wayne. Steve, that's how I roll. Come on. <laughs> no, uh, Get out of here. Uh, uh, no way. Um, no, uh, probably, uh, you know, I'm a country music guy now, you, you know, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. So probably uh, Jason Isbell is not quite country, but, uh, you know, drive-by truckers, uh Jason Isbell, something along those lines. So uh yeah, that's sort of my jam, as you as the young kids you say up. now.
1: So my jam. Yeah. I mean it goes to a good Leon Bridges, you okay. know show. You I know, gotcha. Leon, you know, I'm not trying to be out there Coachella style, bro. We're too old for that stuff.
0: <laughs> no <Yeah>. doubt. <laughs> Two final things. Uh first, uh tell me about your podcast that you uh do with Jim Trotter. It's a fascinating yeah, You know the, Listen yeah, to me. It's,
1: it's the so it's, it's the huddle the huddle and flow podcast uh, where you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. But it's Jim Trotter and I. You know, we've got God probably at least three decades, four decades mm-hmm. of covering the NFL in there. But you know, we've we been real fortunate. We, we've we've gotten some some major heavy hitters mm-hmm. on this podcast, ranging from. Uh, you know Patrick Mahomes to Arthur Blank, the Falcons' owner, to Soledad O'Brien, Chuck D of Public Enemy. Right. We, we cover a lot of issues, a lot of ground. They're all kind of sports centric, but then the tentacles uh, really spawn off to society, news, uh, journalism, kind of whatever the topic of the day is. Our most recent one, we had Kelvin Beecham, You know, he's sure. kind of a, he's a back. Uh, he's been an offensive lineman veteran for years, but. He's one of the leaders of the Players Coalition, and we're talking about them bridging the digital divide
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to educate people in this country. Because, you know, you have a lot of folks who can't even have Wi-Fi or don't have laptops, right. so they're supposed to educate their kids virtually. Can't do it. So it was a really great discussion. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been real successful. we got a lot of great feedback. So I appreciate
0: you bringing that up. I know we're way away from even a season, but uh, Jaguars rebuild. How fascinating will it be to you? And how long do you see it taking before they sort of get there, meaning get back into the flow?
1: Well, if Trevor Lawrence is what he is, it's not going to take too long. Um, I just I, I really hope they don't do anything like crazy knee-jerk, like saying, okay, let's go out, let's pay three major contracts, two to wide receivers, and one to a corner. Well, you know, it might be a two- or three-year mm-hmm. deal. You want to find people who are going to fit what Urban Meyer wants to do, what his coaching staff wants to do, and to fit the personality. Build up those trenches, man. You got to build up that D line, that front seven. Um, as we saw, the Buccaneers showed how valuable, you know, having that right. does. And I think I think you really need to work on that offensive line and that defensive line to be able to stop the run in this division. You know, the Colts and Titans are coming with it. That's not going to change. And to be able to block and protect Trevor Lawrence and run the ball yourself. And I think again that steady that steady progress. And John, we've seen the NFL. It doesn't it doesn't take long. Right. It, it does not take long. I mean, I think about the Rams. What it took two two years under Sean McVay. You know, where we're seeing Matt LaFleur knock on the door of the Super Bowl, two years as head coach. So it doesn't take long um, if you build things the right way and don't try to go for the short-term fix. Gotcha.
0: Steve, I could talk to you all day. I know you're a busy man. I can't thank you enough for joining the Ozone podcast. I hope people will listen to Huddle & Flow. Thank you for joining us, Steve White.
1: Hey, John Osher. Thanks so much, brother.
0: Yeah.